Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm joined by Tom from 90Mat, the sports journalist website dedicated to the Premier League. And it's doing really well. I reached out on Twitter to try and see what Football Index traders wanted to see from a, from a like Premier League dedicated episode and I got loads of random suggestions I got Peter Crouch Paul Merson but someone who actually came to me was Tom and yeah luckily I don't have to go into Paul Merson's DMs and try and get him on the pod so Tom how are you doing today man yeah thanks very much for having me on mate real real pleasure to be on so yeah things are all good uh so I'm uh as you mentioned there the so I'm actually the the founder and the editor at 90 minutes at a time you can check us out on Twitter at 90MAAT underscore. Um, so, as you mentioned there, we're a Premier League journalism site uh, founded by myself back in May 2017. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'd like to think I might be able to give a little bit of helpful insight to some traders regarding some some Premier League assets. Yeah, awesome. I love what you've done with the site and it's it's really grown. Really great to see someone, you know, create something from scratch and, and it's turned out to be a great site for people to to use and you're actually on football index as well and we fo- spoke on the phone and you said to me i just can't get enough of it if i'm honest and i really love that so t- tell me more about where you found the platform and how you've gotten so far even in this kind of short space of time sure so um yeah no as you mentioned i'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I, th- I think i've known about it since sort of you know as as, as far back as sort of 2016 2015 it's what it's one of those things that you're you're aware of but I think, you know, I, I'm a student, I'm 21 and, you know, times are, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not got a huge amount of money um, on my, my, my student loan, etc. paying rent with lots of beans on toast. So I think at the time it was just one of those things I considered to be a bit of a luxury um, and that if I'm being, you know, I had to sort of put my sensible hat on and say, you know what, I, I don't think this is for me right now. And it also it almost sounds a bit too good to be true, you know, selling and trading footballers and making money and actually using all of that knowledge you've gained over the years of watching countless football matches. Uh, so, no, th- things are things are going really well at the moment. I think I think what I've learned so far in kind of my first three, four weeks on the platform, I'm approaching 5% return on investment, which I'm extremely happy with. Um you know, I think it's about diversifying your portfolio, about not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, but no, I'm I'm absolutely loving it so far. And you know, quite early on in my football index trading career, it's it's a real pleasure to be on be on your podcast, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on, and it sounds like you've you've had a good time so far. But we'll we'll dive straight into the questions. Otherwise, these tend to go on a bit, and I don't want to bore our listeners. And I know those commutes are only about an hour long. And this first question is actually from two people. It's from Alan Cooper and the infamous Ross Dyer on on Football Index. And the question is as follows, and it's not really a question, it's more of a statement. So it's name five English youngsters at Premier League clubs who've barely played for their first team yet that will be future England stars in the future. So I've written a few names down here and I'm just going to rattle them off and then maybe you can go into four or five that you think will actually have a really bright future in the Premier League. So I've written down here Mason Mount, who's uh, on loan at Vitesse Arnheim in uh, Holland, who's a Chelsea player, looks a promising talent. Rianne Brewster obviously did really well with the England under 17s uh, who won the World Cup and he was I think the top scorer he just looks an absolute poacher quite a beast Marcus Edwards at, at Spurs looks a, a pretty decent player even though it pains me to say as, as an Arsenal fan well speaking of Arsenal Eddie Nketiah uh, the 
young striker who looks an absolute clinical finisher as well. Angel Gomez and Tahith Chong. I know Ross will love me talking about those two boys from from United. They look like two promising talents as well. And Tahith Chong actually won their young player of the year at the, the ripe old age of 18. Then uh, looking further down the league slightly, got Naya Kirby at Crystal Palace looks a pretty decent player. And then going back to Arsenal, Emil Smith-Rowe, who, who looks really good and looked really good for the Arsenal reserves in their FA Cup youth run. And then uh, hudson Adoy, who's actually got a few minutes for Chelsea this season. But none of these guys have actually, you know, cemented a position. So... Why don't you talk us through a few of these, Tom? Nice ones. So, yeah, no, some some great players there. And obviously, you know, in relation to Football Index, buying these players who are sort of young, exciting prospects and potentially selling them on in the future is obviously a, is a good strategy. But just to talk specifically about a couple of these, I think I'm going to touch on on three of the players you've just mentioned there. But, but someone that I think is... Potentially in the sort of the, the, the short to, to medium uh, future, I think he's set to play a big role in the Premier League, is Patrick Roberts. Now, with regards to the question, that is obviously English youngsters at Premier League clubs who barely played, but sort of just sort of t- touching on, on Patrick Roberts for a little bit. He is a Man City uh, player at the moment, currently on loan at Celtic. He's on a two-year loan at Celtic and... I, I think from Roberts' early days at Fulham, from where he was he was bought, it was pretty evident that this was a player of, of serious pedigree. Um, I think absolutely unquestionably, Patrick Roberts will be moving back to the Premier League once his loan spell is, is completed at Celtic. There's a chance they could buy him permanently. Um, but I think if you look at the, the potential expenditure of Celtic on Roberts versus perhaps one of the their Premier League or even even Championship counterparts, I think you know Patrick Roberts very likely to move back to the Premier League. He has made one appearance for for Man City um, in their first team, so I, I certainly think he's one for the future. Um, what, what 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 kind of Premier League teams would be interested in Roberts? Would, would it? I'm assuming it might not be the top six, but who among the mid-table teams? Maybe maybe a promoted team that would be looking at him? Sure. So, yeah, I, I think it's certainly... Uh, unfortunately, he's not quite of top six calibre. Or, you know, it's difficult to say that. Maybe he is, but I don't think, more, more importantly, any of the top six will really give him a chance in the first team. I think you're right. I think a newly promoted team, I mean, I, I quite like the look of a sort of a, a Brighton, a Huddersfield, you know, I mean, Brighton secured their Premier League status last night with a, with a great win against United. I think he sort of fits the profile there. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, in all honesty, if you look at his profile on paper, he, he really looks like the type of player Eddie Howe might go after. Um, obviously, he's picked up Lewis Cook, um, Jordan Ibe in recent in recent months and recent years. Um, so I think for me, Patrick Roberts is certainly a prospect that I can see moving back to the Premier League. Um, so yeah, that's Patrick Roberts. I think to, to touch on two two players you mentioned there who I think are going to, uh, in the words of Harry Redknapp when describing uh, Frank Lampard, I think they're going to go right to the very top. Uh, so that is Rian Brewster and also Hudson Adoy. Uh, so Hudson Adoy, Chelsea youth prospect, part of the England under seventeen World Cup winning team. I think very rarely have I watched a player's highlight reel or YouTube uh, best goals, best dribbles, etc. Video on YouTube and simply had that that outright gut instinct that this is a this is a world beater. And I think you know Callum Hudson Adoy. Uh, the, the guy looks really, really good. Um, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how he's doing on the index right now, but I think, I think sometimes 
you know, you, you look at a player, and I would encourage listeners of the the pod to just type in Callum Hudson Odoi Chelsea Chelsea best best bits whatever. Let's have a look at the video, and if if you if you're of the same uh, you know same inkling as me, I, I think Callum Hudson Odoi is going to be huge. Um, so yeah, that's certainly one I'd be keeping an eye on. Rian Brewster, uh, another member of England's under seventeen World Cup winning team, currently at Liverpool. Um, it's been in the news for some sort of. I think, you know, real admiration for him speaking out with uh, the Guardian's Daniel Taylor regarding some some racial abuse that he suffered in a uh, sort of under, you know, Liverpool under 17-18 Champions League game against Spartak Moscow. Um, I think, for me, actually, whilst that's not why I think, you know, him speaking out to Daniel Taylor from the Guardian is not why I think he's going right at the top, but I think he's shown through things like that, his way of dealing things like that, he's, he's, he's quite a mature you know, young player. Um, and I think also, you know, a very important factor when we're talking about these these players who could potentially be breaking through at their, their clubs is, is the manager going to give them a chance? And I think Jurgen Klopp with the likes of, you know, certainly this year you're looking at Alexander-Arnold, uh, Ben Woodburn. Um, I think Klopp has shown that if they're good enough, he will play them. So I think Rian Brewster is certainly one I'd be looking at at Liverpool. Um and then lastly, just to, to touch on one more player, you touched on Eddie Nketiah at Arsenal. Um, I think I think obviously Wenger, Wenger's played him a little bit. I think he got a got a goal on his debut, maybe even two. Yeah, he scored he scored two in, in, in the cup uh, while we were 1-0 down. Uh, he, he looked absolutely electric on that night. So he certainly looks a very good prospect. Yeah, no, I certainly agree with you. I think... Um, I think, look, you know, whoever is going to come in at Arsenal, I think, I think we're, we're all reading different things at the moment. If I, you know, and it sounds silly to say if I'd be putting money on, but I, I think, you know, as as per the favourite, it looks like Allegri, and I think if you look at Allegri's past three years at Juventus, uh, perhaps similarly to to Klopp, as we were just discussing, he's not afraid to play youth. He likes to integrate uh, young, energetic, charismatic, talented players into his squad, and I think Inketia. He's sort of been one of the last players that Wenger will have transitioned from the youth setup to the first team. And I, I think that could stand him in good stead. So, yeah, I think I've got you four there Robertson, Ketia, Brewster, and Hudson Adoy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully that will answer some of your questions, guys. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Very good overview there, Tom. I think I wanted to mention Reese Nelson as well, but I think he's probably played a few too many games in the first team to be part of this kind of group. Uh, I think he, he's made nearly nearly 20 appearances, whether that be in the Europa League and the Cup. He's he's played a couple of Premier League games as well. So I think he's, he's, he's very much a squad player rather than someone who hasn't played at all. Um, I mean, just touching on Hudson-Odoi, uh, Brewster and Ketia very very quickly as well. I think Hudson-Odoi... He might struggle next season considering Conte is the one that gave him a break, but also Chelsea don't have a good record integrating youngsters. I mean, Christiansen's kind of come through this year. We've seen Loftus-Cheek on loan at Palace who's done really well. If he comes back into the into the Chelsea fray, uh, who knows how much game time he'll get under the new manager. And Kennedy as well over at uh, Newcastle who has done extremely well. Uh, if he comes back, those two guys might who have played out wide a bit this season probably will be ahead of Kalamads and Adoy. So maybe a, a move, you know, to, to Palace with uh, with uh, Loftus Cheek coming back to Chelsea on loan, something like that might work. Uh, I think Ryan Brewster looks an absolutely quality talent. I think he's 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 a manager's 
dream really and a winger's dream like crossing to a number nine whose movement is that good and who is always going to be in the six yard area looking to finish and uh, you touched on the the kind of racial abuse that he was really unfortunately hit with over in um in in russia i believe uh, absolutely terrible stuff but really really um proud to see uh, such a young guy come out and, and speak about such sensitive issues and a lot of people don't really talk about that and uh, it, it kind of went away in the press really quickly but I hope that Klopp kind of looked at that and said you know th- this is a guy who's, who's shown maturity beyond his years and and you mentioned uh, Eddie Nketiah and that's probably a, a perfect segue on to the next couple of questions because they're both about Arsenal the team that I support and who are going through a big big transition this summer losing Arsene Wenger and uh, the first question comes from uh, our very own Football Index Batman FI underscore Bruce Wayne and he asked will both Ramsey and Wilshire be playing for Arsenal next year and I think someone asked me this uh, the other day and I said well before the Wenger announcement I thought that Wilshire probably stays but Aaron Ramsey might go but now I'm not so sure I think if anything the the signaling of, of having a new manager uh, and I think Ramsey is one of those players that always wants more. He 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 looks to have become like pretty much Arsenal's best player. And um, Wilshire has maybe since the announcement been performing not that well. So I think those two are a bit in limbo. They could both stay. They could both go. But before the Wenger announcement, I thought Wilshire would stay because you know he, he loves Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger loves him, and I thought Ramsey would go because I thought that he he wasn't seeing the potential success that the squad could get with Wenger, and I thought he he would probably look to leave, especially with a year left on his contract. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, maybe Ramsey can be convinced, and maybe the new manager will put his faith into Jack Wilshire. I'm not so sure. So why don't you? Talk, talk us through these. What are your insights on this one? Sure. So, obviously, huge cataclysmic news in the world of football management that Arsene Wenger will be leaving Arsenal after 22 years at the end of the season. And naturally, when any manager leaves a club, there'll be ramifications. But I think, as we've just been discussing there, when your tenure has been as long as, as 22 years, and you know, certainly in the case of both Ramsey and Wilshire, or certainly in the case of any Arsenal player, the only the only manager they've ever uh, ever played under is Arsene Wenger. So I think obviously both both contracts out at the end of the season. I think I think obviously they're both in a situation whereby you've seen let, let's let's look at two recent examples of players that have benefited in different ways from, for want of a better word, running their contract down. So. Mesut Ozil, contract was about to run out, I think, in January. It was almost like this announcement of Mesut Ozil signing a new contract was almost a new signing for Arsenal fans. At least that's the, the impression I got on Twitter. They were all buzzing. The the, the German assist king is, is staying in, in North London for another three, four years, whatever it is. So obviously, Ozil ran his contract down. He's got a nice big weekly paycheck in exchange for that, and he stays. Whereas uh, Alexis Sanchez, set to go in summer, has got a transfer away. Now, I think when you look at that, I think when you look at what's happened with Ozil, I think I think if you're looking at a single bit of player news that's going to have as, as much an impact as anything on the the, de- the destinations of Ramsey and Wilshire, I think you look at Ozil, I think that's huge. I think the fact that they signed Aubameyang in, in January is also huge. I think for me, if I look at the two of them, I think I personally see, see Aaron Ramsey staying. I think it's it's... It's tricky with Ramsey. He's a player that has has struggled with injury, but has shown such to say promise would suggest he's sort of a, a youthful prospect. But there are points in his Arsenal career where you've 
we thought this guy's a world beater and he's not just contributing with you know dribbling or good passes he's getting on the score sheet he's registering assists so I think if Arsenal are going to keep Ramsey they're going to have to cough up and they're going to have to offer him a you know in this day and age a, a, a really high weekly wage for me, I just think Jack Wilshere needs to leave, and I, I know he's, he's he's Arsenal. He's you know Jack Wilshere is Arsenal, no question of a doubt. But I think for me, if we're going to a World Cup this summer, and I think this this really epitomises Jack Wilshere and and w- what needs to happen with his career for me is, you know, if if we were to start talking, or if there are a couple of us down a, a pub right now having a beer, and we're talking about whether Jack Wilshere should be going to the World Cup, I doubt it would be unanimous. And I think a player of this quality, a player of this raw talent, we should not be debating whether they should be going to the World Cup. But unfortunately, and inevitably, we are. So I think really Wilshere should 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 be going. He needs to be getting, you know, he, he, he should be playing thirty five plus games of, of Premier League football a year, uh, you know, barring injury. So I think. I'd, I'd love to see them both stay in the Premier League, but for me, I see I see Ramsey staying, and I, I can actually see Wilshire going. Yeah, fair enough. I think, um, as I said before, I think before the Wenger announcement, I definitely thought Wilshire was going to stay on. Uh, it, it looks as though he's been offered a new contract, like an improved one. But from what I've known, from what I've heard, uh, the previous contract that he was offered was kind of of a, of a similar wage, but also bonuses, including whether or not. He, he plays enough enough games, which is kind of fair enough from from an Arsenal perspective, because if he did get another season engine injury and we did give him a, a contract of one hundred fifty thousand pounds a year, that's that's a massive waste of money. So I think it, it's it's sorry, sorry, but it is, and um, and I think it's one of those situations where he wants to stay, the club wants him to stay, but his agents are kind of advising him, look, you're you're twenty six now, this might be the last big contract you get because. You know, we've seen like the likes of Dean Ashton retire at 29, who who looked very good at one point for England as well. Uh, not not the kind of same talent level, but he he was playing really well for West Ham. He was getting in the England squad, and then you know one injury, and he he was done for good. And that's what probably Wilshire's agents are saying to him that his advisors, his family are saying, look, like you might not make it till 35. You might not you might make it till 31, 32 with your injury record. So try and get as much money as you can now, and then think about your future and your your kids' futures, which is perfectly reasonable from his perspective but I do think that he'll stay in the end uh, if he does leave in the Premier League we're probably looking at an Everton I know that before he went on loan to Bournemouth Manchester City were very interested probably due to the um, the homegrown rule I think Chelsea would probably be interested in this this time around as well with the homegrown rule although Ruben Loftus-Cheek is coming back they now have Christensen there they've got Gary Cahill um, they have a few more English players they've got uh, Danny Drinkwater of course so a few more players who are in that um, uh, you know homegrown mould uh, Aaron Ramsey I think sometimes when he plays well you, you kind of look around and say who, who's a better box-to-box midfielder and uh, I'm not being biased as an Arsenal fan I just there's not that many in that like Lampard mould anymore and I definitely think that if he were to leave there would be no like he wouldn't have limited suitors he could go to any Premier League team in the in 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 the league he could go to he could go to a Real Madrid or Barcelona maybe not be an instantaneous starter but he'd he'd definitely be in and around the squads and a, a team like Juventus he'd definitely start a team like PSG he'd probably start but I, I mean you look at 
Chelsea and their midfield problems with um, Bakayoko and Fabregas this season, he'd definitely start there. You look at City, sometimes they've looked really leggy, especially in those big games against Liverpool uh, with Gundogan and um, Fernandinho and David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. Maybe they don't have that that running power with Fernandinho getting a bit on the older side at 33, 34 years of age. So Ramsey's got an absolutely incredible engine, but he's also technically sound as well. So Manchester City would be an absolute perfect suit for him. And then you look at um, Manchester United, who, who are perhaps not only looking, looking for that Carrick replacement in that deep lying playmaking role, but they're also looking for someone to to be part of that three and, and maybe an upgrade on Herrera, someone who is box to box, but who has a lot of energy, but is maybe more of a, a threat going forward in, in terms of a creative sense and who would actually be able to track back for Pogba as well as, you know, playing alongside him. So I think he, he could go anywhere if he left. I hope he stays as an Arsenal fan, but you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went and I wouldn't be surprised if Wilshire went for, for reasons that you touched on earlier. But I, th- I think we'll move on from those two because the next question is certainly very interesting and one that might um, get some great insights from yourself, Tom. And this question is from Fitty Index King. Thank you for submitting this one. And it reads as follows. So which, which Arsenal players will benefit most from Arsene Wenger stepping down at the end of this season? So I've written a few down here and, and then you can go on and touch on a few that, that you might um, want to talk about. And first of all, was Granit Xhaka. I think he's had a great second half of the season, personally. I think he really struggled in the first half, but he's played more in the Premier League than anyone else for Arsenal. And I think in the last two or three months, he's probably been one of our best players as an Arsenal fan. Uh, Mustafi, who's you know been one of the most error-prone centre-backs in the league, but there's been a few performances which kind of showcase why Arsenal bought him. Um, a, a couple of the performances against Chelsea, where Arsenal drew... Uh, I'm Off the top of my head, I'm thinking about the first leg of the League Cup semi-final, where we drew 0-0 and he was really good. Uh, and secondly... Um, AC Milan away, which he was, he was kind of a rock as well in a two two nil win, and you know he was part of the World Cup winning squad with with Germany. So there's obviously a lot of managers that rate him. There's no reason he was uh, select. There's, there is a reason, sorry, that he was selected for those squads, and a reason that Arsenal paid so much money for him. So I think a coach with more of a defensive mindset. You mentioned Allegri. There's been uh, Jardim from uh, Monaco touted, and they had a very strong defense before. Um, before this season uh, I think Bellerin as well defensively could um, really benefit from from a coach which is more in that mindset as well and I think Alexander Lacazette as well I think he's had a good second half of the season particularly after he's come back from his uh, operation but I think in the first half it was really strange and it perplexed many Arsenal fans as to why he wasn't playing 90 minutes I don't think Benga had full faith in him but I think he was also a bit too nice to Olivier Giroud he was giving him minutes for for minutes sake really and I think Lacazette would have benefited with more minutes and, and playing 90 minutes and feeling like the main man because I think he he, he strikes me as the type of guy with that aura that when he is the main man, he does perform and he can score a lot of goals. We have seen, I think it's seven in his last eight. He, he can score prolif- prolifically. He's got better goals per minute ratio than Lukaku and Morata. So I think he could do really well. He just needs that confidence. With Aubameyang now, I think it's going to be tougher for him next season. There's a lot of people thinking that he, you know, Lacazette might actually be one that's sold because the new manager might not fancy him and might want to build around Aubameyang. So who knows what's happen- what happens here. So uh, Tom, why don't you talk to us about a few Arsenal players that could improve with a new manager? Sure. So, um, I mean, obviously, as we've just discussed, some of the favourites to take the job, Allegri and Rike. Um, I think in looking at who's going to benefit the most from from him stepping down, I'm, I'm going to, I mean, for me, gut instincts, you know, obviously 
extensive news reporting as well. I, I, I can see Allegri taking the job, and I think if if he does, but even if he doesn't, I think we're going to see a couple of clear things. I think obviously the the two star strikers you touched on there, uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang, I think. It's been pretty rare that we've seen Wenger play both of them at the same time in this team um, this season. They, you know, on, on occasion, I believe, but it's certainly not his his staple go to uh, selected strikers in the starting eleven. I think what we're likely to see is is one of these strikers, and and for me, I rate Aubameyang more highly than I rate Lacazette. I think I remember seeing Lacazette at, at, at Leon and seeing some of the, the the goal stats that he was posting each season, and it was it was. It was incredible, really. Um, and that's, you know, obviously the Premier League is a difficult league to transition to, but I think I've been incredibly impressed by Aubameyang. And I think, personally, I I think if you look at Aubameyang, he's not a, an identical player to Dybala at all, but I think Allegri, for me, if he was to come in, this is the, this sort of little little part here is very much on Allegri coming in. I think Aubameyang is, is a real Allegri player. And I think... If Allegri is to take the reins at the Emirates, I think he'll be incredibly excited to play with Aubameyang. I think, I think certainly from a striking perspective, I see Aubameyang really benefiting from. You know, obviously the question is Arsene Wenger stepping down, but I'm sort of adding to that by saying, I, you know, I think Allegri is going to get the job. I really do. Um, <laughs> okay. So on that basis, I would say Lacazette is. I could potentially see him even moving away in a couple of seasons, maybe even sooner. Um, I think. It's important to have top quality strikers, but you know, can Aubameyang? I mean, this is a question for you, mate. Do you think Aubameyang and Lacazette can play in the same team together? I think Aubameyang showcased that he can, and maybe this is only against the the lesser teams play out wide. I don't think he'd be trusted in the bigger games out wide defensively. I do think that what Allegri's done with Mandzukic on the left wing, and I know he's. A, he's a different kettle of fish isn't he with with the the work rate that he has uh but he has before that played a kind of 352 or a 4411 where you've got Dybala uh behind uh Higuain or you've got Mandzukic and Higuain up front together and then Dybala in behind so it's kind of that 3412 formation which is quite rare to see this uh, this in this day and age but it, it can still happen and I think that's one of the the ones that Allegri likes and I think we saw Antonio Conte do that at Juventus as well with 352 where he played was it Tevez and Morata together so I think it can happen uh, you just don't like. You just need the the correct um, personnel, and I think with Arsenal having Özil, Mkhitaryan, Ramsey, Wilshere, Iwobi, all these players that kind of like to play in that three behind the striker, how are you ever going to integrate a three-five-two formation? You'd have to have a massive overhaul. You'd have to get a couple more central midfielders in. You'd have to get some specialist wing backs or more uh, wing backs. And you probably need another two centre backs because you're mostly going to be playing three at the back. So that would be a massive overhaul. And that would all cost a lot of money, all to integrate Lacazette and Aubameyang together, which might not work. So to answer your question, I think they definitely can. Will they ever get the chance to? I don't think so, unless the rumours are true that Allegri would be given... Two hundred million pounds, uh, which I don't think is true, considering Arsenal. But um, I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think we'll probably move on to that one before I start ranting. Like I'm on Arsenal fan TV, uh, mate. Honestly, I, I'm actually bursting for the loose. So I'm just gonna. I'll be right back. Sorry.
Hey, mate. Hello, yeah, mate. Sorry, I thought I'd, I thought I'd be able to keep it in. But, um, <laughs> no, no, that's cool. Me? That's cool. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling a much more relieved man now. And, and the next question comes from uh, Tom and Nick from the Who Got the Assist podcast, which you guys should check out if you're a fancy football fan. And the question is goes as follows, and it's a football index related one. And it goes: Is it worth investing in players who look like they are leaving the Premier League and may be subject to transfers? Or will they see a spike in sales and drop? And they, you know, they cite Moy and Shachiri as examples. And uh, I'd like to add maybe like Hazard and Martial to that. And I'll start answering this one from an FI perspective. I think if you look at a player like Felipe Coutinho, and this was probably before you came on, Tom, to, to, to Football Index, I think that uh, like, he won so much media buzz that some people just couldn't not have him because they they wanted him for that media buzz and it resulted in a rise from about 350 to to 540 and then back down to to 350 and now he's nearer to 3 pounds at barcelona but that amount of media buzz wins that were won by him like people just i always say that when there are players that are consistently winning buzz even if people know that they're going to drop afterwards, they're still going to buy because the risk fee reward there is, well, my reward is maybe 10 buzz wins and an increase in price of 50p. And the risk is a drop in, uh, I don't know, 50p, 75p a pound, depending on the player. So people like who are comfortable with taking that risk and who think they can get out in time, it's perfectly legitimate to, especially if they're going from a big club like Chelsea or Liverpool or United to another big club like Barcelona, Real Madrid. We'll probably see that same saga with Hazard uh, going to Real Madrid or maybe going to Real Madrid. Who knows? He's only got two years on his contract left, I believe. And Martial, I think Juventus are probably favourites according to the bookies. So those two players will strike up a lot of media buzz if they do leave. And then you'll obviously have the crazy Premier League links as well. I think Anthony Martial being French and being coveted by Arsenal before he went to to Manchester United is of course going to be linked to to Arsenal. And Hazard was linked crazily to Man City. If that happened, that would be one of the craziest Premier League moves ever. Um, So you never know that there's going to be those people who want to buy these players for media buzz and then get out when the time is right so why don't you talk to us about a few players that could leave the Premier League sure so I think um obviously in in assessing who who could be who could be departing the Prem I think you're, you're primarily going to look at teams who are maybe near the bottom uh players who might have clauses in their contracts uh who could be that could be triggered if they were to get relegated and then you know you could get some of the some of the teams from Europe's top five league excluding the Premier League or you know whoever coming in. I think a player that has shown he can do it in Italy and has now shown he can do it in England and who I've been extremely impressed with is Mario Lamina at Southampton, who was signed in a club record deal from Juventus. Um, obviously, Southampton are currently pretty low-lying in the Prem. It has not been a good season for them. And I think I think it's an interesting one what they do this summer because ultimately I think they are one of perhaps two clubs that are in net profit in their last five years of dealings. And the reason they're here is because they sell their best players every summer and people come knocking and they go. So I think in that sense, it might seem crazy to think that Southampton would consider selling, you know, someone like Lamina. And I think there's a high chance he, he, he could go abroad, certainly outside the Prem. If not, I think he'll have plenty of suitors in the Premier League. He's shown he's up to standard. Um, I think... Yeah, for me, Lamina at Southampton would be one. I think an, inter- an interesting one to look at, whether this 
is a player who will be moving outside of the Premier League or not, we'll, we will have to see. But be really interested to see what happens with Jay Rodriguez at, at West Brom. Um, I mean, in his in his you know another uh, ex Southampton boy in his in his prime when Rodriguez was you know really really up to it and and may I stress not being hampered with injuries. I think you know he, he was in the England squad, um, and I think you know certainly West Brom. Even though Darren Moore's done a done a remarkably good job, I think it looks like they're they're going to get relegated. I think you know is it likely that Jay Rodriguez will move abroad? Probably not. But um, you know, I you just don't know. You don't know what what clauses in his contract is is one of the one of the big. You know, could he fancy a bit of a culture change? I think. I think that's very much an element that, that that has to be factored into some of these, you know, that these the, these players, uh, 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 you know, who who is going to move is, is, is do they fancy a bit of a lifestyle change? So I think you know I, I think I've seen big links with with Martial in recent weeks to Chelsea, perhaps. Um, just touching on a couple of the players you mentioned there, I think what is going to happen with Eden Hazard now that is that's that's a a, a big question, um, and I. I just really can't call it. I think are Madrid going to go after him? Probably, but, but do I see Roman Abramovich sanctioning the sale of his his best player? Well, I mean, he he did it with Matic. So it, 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 when obviously Matic moved to United last summer, it, it really does beg the question. So I'm not too sure what will happen with Hazard. If I'm honest with you, I think you know he's 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 a top top player, and he could go and play anywhere in the world. Uh, I think it'd be. A, a, an absolute shame to see him leave to leave our shores to to leave you know playing in the Premier League. I think it it just happens too often, and I think it's natural with the with the with the big boys in Spain and, and Real and Barca. Um, but I mean, uh, no, I mean, just to touch on two there that that Tom and Nick from who got the assist touch on Moyen Moyen Shakiri. I think Shakiri's you know he's already gone for me. <laughs> but yeah, I think that sort of wraps up what I'd say about players leaving the Prem. Yeah, just touching on what you talked about, Shashiri. There, a lot of these players that we've mentioned have, have kind of had a, a big rise already. The likes of um, Ryan Bertrand, Shashiri, Cedric Suarez, uh, players that, that could leave relegated clubs if they do go down. That this perfectly segues to my next question, and this is a question I have asked on a few of these, uh, you know, league style podcasts. And this is like re- relegated players who could move to bigger clubs, and uh, I, I, I believe, you know, you know. West Brom are already down. Uh, Stoke are probably going to join them. And then it's either going to be Southampton, Huddersfield or Swansea. And now Southampton are probably favourites at this moment in time. Um, And from West Brom, obviously, Johnny Evans is definitely going. I think everyone in the world knows that. And uh, you look at someone like uh, Jake Livermore, who who made the England squad a couple of times, and he's probably going to look to move. And uh, I don't know if you had any more players from West Bromish Albion who could, who could be leaving for bigger clubs. Sure. So I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real shame what's happened with West Brom. I, th- I think we've seen a season this year in the, the 2017-18 campaign where the supposedly stable have become very, very unstable. And I think you, you look at, you know, I've just got six players off the cusp here from, from West Brom's squad. Johnny Evans, uh, Craig Dawson, Jake Livermore, or Jack Livermore, uh, Salomon Rondon, uh, Nasser Chadley, and Jay Rodriguez. You look at those players, and you know they're they're not that they're, they're of a real you know what we could consider or at least thought to be Premier League standards. So I think I think 
I, I, I can't see Salomon Rondon hanging about. I've seen in several, uh, you know, reputable publications per se that he's got a release clause anywhere between 16 to 18 million. I think would a, would a club take a gamble on Rondon for 16 to 18 million? That looks a snippet in the current market. I think Nasser Ch- Chadley obviously came from Spurs, um, has done a, well, well, has he done a good job? I think it's <laughs> West Brom fans would probably beg to disagree, but I think if you're looking at players that are that have got talent and who are also of again, it's it's, it's really important. If you've got a a, cha- a Premier League team who are about to be relegated and they've brought in a load of players from abroad and they haven't proven themselves, then are we talking about them as potential prospects to 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 move to bigger clubs? No, but I think you look at people like Chadley and Livermore, who obviously Livermore. Uh, applied his trade at, uh, at Hull uh, and, and prior to that he was a Spurs boy I think Chadley obviously Spurs as well I think I'd be extremely surprised as we've said this is on the basis of West Brom going down if Darren Moore does not pull off the most ridiculous and miraculous of escapes but I think for me Chadley Livermore definitely gone I think Rodriguez is gone I think Rondon I think they've got to have a big clear out um, but just to sort of touch on that I really do hope Darren Moore gets the job um, and then just uh two more teams or just to wrap up what I think are going to be the relegated teams I think Southampton are going to pull it off so I'm going to say Swansea are going to get relegated at the moment um, I think you know it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because it really looks like Carlos Carvajal had got this incredible you know boost when he came in he did he did it it didn't look like that he did get a fantastic boost got fantastic results big results against some home teams but it really looks have faded off I think failing that Huddersfield could be down but no just, just to touch on Bit of Swansea, I think Sam Klukas, great player, um, has at times shown, I think certainly with a brace against Arsenal earlier in the season, shown that he's got serious talent. Um, I think, you know, obviously you've got the, the, the IU brothers there, Jordan and Andre. Um, do I see them stay? Are they championship players? They're certainly not on championship wages, you'd think. No, absolutely, absolutely. I, I I don't really see either of them staying. I think the, the brothers, the brothers could be departing. Um, Alfie, Alfie Mawson for oh, sure is right, one that, that would right. definitely go. Yeah, no, if uh, if Swansea would be down, I think he's he's one that could potentially play for a top eight team quite comfortably. Um, maybe even top six uh, if if uh, you know. I think you're looking at Arsenal, United, Chelsea, Spurs, uh, the City. Liverpool all looking for a centre-back. So Alfie Mawson is, is one that's going to be homegrown and he looks a real good player, both defensively and in a technical sense. I think you look at Lucas Fabianski as well, the former Arsenal player, who could walk into a lot of Premier League teams and be their, their, their starting keeper. And, and failing that, he could you know definitely go to I think Arsenal will probably be looking for two keepers this summer I think uh you know the likes of uh Chelsea seem to be um switching their reserve goalkeeper every single summer I think Liverpool will be looking for a keeper whether or not it's uh it's a backup one or uh or a first team one uh Spurs I think Hugo Lloris has been quite shaky this season whether or not Michel Vorm still wants to be second choice so Lucas Fabianski could have a a lot of clubs are looking at him to either be their first team keeper or back up to a big name keeper like a, a Edison or, or a David De Gea, say if Romero doesn't want to be second choice anymore. I think you look at Carl Norton's done quite well this season as well. I think Olsen, Jonas Olsen has done quite well at left back as well. Those two have been pretty decent. And uh, also Montero, their left winger who, who, 
you know, once upon a time, very famously shredded Callum Chambers to bits. Uh, looked a, a real promising talent at one point. And uh, of course, they've got Wilfred Boney again. So uh, a lot of players that could could leave that team. I mean, you, you look at Ki Sung Young as well. Uh, and uh, another one who, who's done quite well uh, the last few seasons. All these players could still play in the Premier League. And uh, we'll move on to, to Stoke now. And, and you mentioned Shachiri. They look like they're going down. And uh, I, I do think Shachiri will go. Chupin Moting has scored quite a few goals this season. I do think Joe Allen would definitely be off. I think um, uh, apart from that, there's not that many. Of course, Jack Butland would 100% be going if they went down. Top of the tree. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd definitely be, him and Shatiri would be top of the tree. But um, who else do you think could, could make a, a step up? So, yeah, I think I think one player that I think, I mean, I, I think, of the, uh, you know, off the, off the cusp to the, to the naked eye, this would seem a ridiculous suggestion, but it's it's really not. Bear with me on this. I think, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Sado Berahino is going to be on the move this year. And obviously for, for FI traders, transfer uh, interest is, a, is, is often a key determinant in deciding where you're going to put your funds. I think the reason Berahino is going to be on the move is not because he's been, been good. He's, he's He's been awful. I think he's. I think he's. I think they've actually come out and said that his his fitness has been unacceptable. I think he's made a handful of appearances. I, I haven't got the figures in front of me, but I think not not too long ago we're talking a matter matter of years, possibly possibly just over two years. People were talking about Saida Berahino as being one of England's staple strikers for the for future World Cups, for future European Championships, and. It just hasn't happened for him. I think Mark Hughes, when he was at Stoke, so showed huge faith to bring Berahino to the club. It hasn't worked out. And I think what Berahino needs is a new club, a new manager and a, and a fresh start. And I firmly believe, I mean, yeah, and I, I just think someone's going to take a chance on him. I really, really do. I think not on the basis of merit, but I think on the basis of potential. So I'm going to counter this one very slightly, <laughs> maybe maybe controversially, but I think there's going to be less movement in the forward areas uh, for some clubs in the Premier League this season. And then also, if you look at the the other clubs that we've just mentioned, the likes of uh, Rondon and the likes of Rodriguez and the likes of uh, the Ayu brothers. And at Southampton, you've got Gaviadini, you've got um, Carrillo that's gone there, you've got Charlie Austin. I think there's probably a lot better options than Berahino for Premier League clubs. So that's the only reason I think he might actually stay with Stoke if they went down. But um, for sure, I do think that you're right with regards to him still being talented and he's a, a good finisher. Uh, if someone, a, a manager could get a, a hold of him and, you know, shake him about a bit and, 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 and get him playing, then he could be a great asset and you'd probably be getting him for, for quite cheap as well. But we'll talk a bit about um, Southampton as well before we move on. Uh, it could go down. Them and Swansea look, look favourites. Huddersfield as well, uh, maybe. But Southampton, obviously a plethora of players that would go there. Um, you know, Ryan Bertrand, Cedric Suarez, we've got uh, in the middle, you've got uh, the likes of James Ward-Prowse, Hoiberg, who was highly rated by Pep Guardiola at his uh, stint in, in Bayern Munich. And then you've got Dusan Tadic, who, who scored a couple of goals the other the other day. Um, Mario Lamina, who you mentioned very, um, uh, and you spoke very glowingly of. And then, of course, Charlie Austin, Gabbiadini, uh, Carrillo, that was that was playing relatively well for, for Monaco, even though he wasn't starting. And, and he's just coming for a big fee. So I doubt he's on, again, championship wages. And then uh, I, I don't know if you've got any to, any others to add to that. No, I, th- I think you touched on the vast majority there. I think 
one player who has been hot and cold to say the least, but who if if Southampton are relegated, I think I think will be gone is Sofiane Buffal, um, who was uh, preceded by Lamina as the Saints' club record signing, but. I mean, Buffal, wow, I don't know whether you can remember the goal, but I think it's a goal that just yeah. wonderfully sums up. West, West, West Brom at home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- I, think, I think everyone yeah. everyone remembers that. I think, wow. <laughs> but I think, I think actually that goal is, is, is a per- it perfectly epitomises the, the benefits and the, the shortfall, shortcomings of, of Buffal. I think scores are, are well do, okay? You'd think, you know, wins, wins, his, team, wins his team the game. And in you know he, he runs up to Maurizio uh, Pellegrino and and starts yelling at him, which was apparently reported to be a gesture of saying, "Why am I not in the team?" Or you know you know, or <laughs> I don't know, I, I just don't really rate that. So I think I think you've 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 got there a, a really talented player who I believe they signed from Lille. Um, but you know that's the question. Great talent. Has he got the temperament? Um, so I think if you know, I, th- I think that is what uh, a manager, be it in the Premier League or, or, or outside of the Prem, will have to weigh up: temperament versus talent. But I think no, Buffal has got the ability to be playing during Premier League football. Obviously, you touched on Charlie Austin there, who, despite seemingly always being injured, he just he just always gets goals. It's just he's, he's a v- not 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 sure that man has <laughs> ligaments, but he seems to seems to get himself on the pitch quite regularly. But certainly someone who who would be able to play for a lot of uh, a lot of Premier League clubs but outside the top no, six. I, I, I think. completely agree with you. I think yeah, he's, he's not quite top six material, but I mean, he, I think he got over twenty goals when QPR were in the Premier League. Maybe nineteen. I, th- I think someone can some you know passionate QPR fans can correct me on that, but I, I'm sure he got twenty. Um, so I think you know, is someone going to take a stab on him? They probably are, and I think also Southampton got him very, very cheap. I want to they say they did. Even, I want to say even as low as maybe four or five million. Yeah, it was it was pretty cheap. It was um, the only worry for him was that he actually failed a medical at Hull, didn't he? Before that, um, before he went to Southampton, so that's obviously a worry for for, for suitors. But um, <laughs> those absent knee ligaments—it's it's a real problem. If you don't have ligaments, I don't know how you're going to play in the Premier League. But we'll uh, <laughs> we'll move on from this question because uh, we've been on it for quite a while. The, the next question comes from Fi underscore DJE. Sorry if. If it's meant to be J, I don't think it is. But um, uh, the question is, uh, where is Kieran Turney going to add up? A few mates of mine who have season tickets at Celtic rave nonstop about him and rate him higher than Virgil van Dijk when he was up there. And we know how that one ended up. So, I mean, (laughs) Virgil van Dijk is, for me, the best centre-back in the league. Uh, He's probably one of the top five in the world. That's how highly I rate him. So for someone to talk about Kieran Tierney being like better than him at Celtic... Uh, why don't you talk us through this one, Tom? Sure. I mean, no, I was, uh, I was still, still trying to sort of read back over what you just said. So they rate him higher than Van Dyke when he was at Celtic. Wow. Um, I mean, look, I, I know a little bit about Kieran Tierney. I think he's been linked with with Bournemouth. He's been linked with Manchester United. Um, I mean, look, I, I am not a season ticket holder at Celtic. Funny enough, I don't know whether you can tell from the accent. So I, w- I would be wrong to suggest that. I've seen him. I've seen him in the flesh. Um, I think. I think a Premier League move has been touted for quite a while, and I think in in recent weeks, Bournemouth and then I, I believe Chelsea and United were were um, you know mooted in, in one round of paper talk. Um, I mean, 
do I think he's going to go on and be as good or better than Van Dijk? I fully agree with what you were saying that Van Dijk's probably the, the, the best central defender in the league. I rate him extremely highly and I, I actually think 75 million, you know, it sounds crazy to say this, but I, I think that's good value. Um, I think he's, I, th- I think he's that good. I really think he's that good. So I think, you know, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think to, you know, not to suggest Kirantini. Obviously, Kirantini's worth nowhere, nowhere near the seventy-five. But, um, but no, I, I could see Bournemouth being quite a good fit. Um, I think that fits the the type of the player that that Eddie Howe might go after. I think in any other year. If Southampton were not well, look, Southampton might stay up and go and buy Tierney, but I think Tierney also very much fits the profile of a of a Southampton Southampton acquisition. Obviously, they've 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 done good business uh, with with Celtic in the past with the likes of Victor Wanyama and Van Dijk. Um, so I think certainly in terms of a, a buyer seller relationship between the clubs of say Southampton and Celtic, they you know. Celtic have got a good track record of producing players that that not only are performing at the time in in Scotland, but also come down to the Prem and can, can make the cut there. But no, I think I could see. But I, I think I'm only going on what I've read here. I've got no inside sources, but um, I think Bournemouth Bournemouth are likely, and I think potentially Southampton. We could be looking at Bertrand leaving and Tierney coming in. But yeah, mm. I also also think Spurs might be in you know in the fray for that one, looking for a, for a left back. Danny Rose will leave. I don't think Ben Davis has been particularly good this season. I don't think he's been particularly bad, but I do think Spurs probably do better in that department. So maybe one to look at there. I mean, Chelsea keep getting linked with left backs, even though they've got um, Alonso and Emerson there. Um, Nacho Monreal is like 33 at Arsenal now. And uh, Sead Kolasinac is just not adapted to the Premier League, particularly in the second half of the season. He's just faded completely. Started the season really well. Looked like an absolute coup by um, Arsene Wenger. And I don't know what's happened to him, if I'm honest. Uh, And and then, you know, Manchester City have been playing Delph and Laporte and Zinchenko at left back. So, you know, plenty of Premier League teams need left backs this season. So we'll see where that that one ends up. The next question is from from Alex or Laborious23. He was on the podcast, one of my very good friends. Uh, he came on, I think, for maybe the 20 or 21st episode. And uh, he just says, as much info on Martial as he can give pretty much pretty please <laughs> so why don't you talk us why don't you talk to us about uh anthony martial please tom about martial he's, he's clearly keen to find out a bit about bit about martial so so yeah i think you know when the season started and manchester united had uh, or rather jose Mourinho and manchester united had a, a, a real range of, of options available i think it was unsurprising that martial was was on the bench i think he he got Two goals and an assist in his first two Premier League games of the year from which he made substitute appearances and slowly began to work his way back in the plans. I believe he got a start uh, in, in, in the third game of the season. But I think we've just really seen a sense of either Mourinho not trusting the player or we've really just seen you know, Mourinho preferring other options. I think obviously Jesse Lingard's had a sensational season. I think that doesn't necessarily help the case of Martial. I think, obviously, he was very, very expensive when they signed him. I believe a a, 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 a record for a, for a teenager, perhaps. Yeah, so, yeah. He he went for with with add-ons close to fifty million pounds at that yeah, time. I think it was sounds... I think it was thirty five up front, and then a load of bonuses, which I'm not sure he's fulfilled at this rate. <laughs> I, I I would imagine not. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's an interesting one because he actually had. I mean. United fans will certainly remember it. Liverpool fans would probably erase it from their memory. But I think 
I believe it was a, a, a wonderful, wonderful goal. Mm. It was either at Anfield or Old Trafford. It was at Old Trafford, the, 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 the famous commentary. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I won't try and repeat <laughs> yeah. it, but you know. No, I don't think, I don't think we'd do it justice. Um, I, I think you see, you see glimmers there, you know, of just a player who's so talented. And I mean, Chelsea reportedly linked, um, Juventus reportedly linked. I think probably a great purchase uh, from the perspective of, of Football Index. So I think what you've got there is is a player who who is of Premier League standard. Uh, there's absolutely no doubts about that. I think he weighs in with a relatively consistent spread of goals and assists. Um, so it be really, really interesting to see what happens there. I think... Mourinho, and I think this is certainly a factor that we have to consider when we look at players like Martial and when they're leaving or not. I think it's, it's well documented that Mourinho has let go some players that have, let's say, gone on and done all right for themselves, the likes of one Mo Salah, <laughs> the likes of one Kevin De Bruyne, um, likes of one Romelu Lukaku. And I think I think perhaps we don't give this this element of, of the, the psychology enough, of enough consideration, but... You know, Jose Mourinho reads the papers. Jose Mourinho will have read a little bit of BBC Sport, but of Sky Sports, whatever. He knows that it's well documented that, you know, people thought, yeah, why have you let go Salah, De Bruyne, Lukaku? So I think for me, Martial potentially fits that profile of a player that he could let go and who could really go on and, and cause a bit of havoc elsewhere. So I think really you've got to factor that in. Mourinho is not going to want to do that again. He is a man who... You know, his ego is very central to everything he does. He's extremely confident, bordering on the, you know, the, the well, I say bordering, he is very arrogant. <laughs> but um, no, I, I I could see him moving and I think he's I think he's good enough to, to play and start at someone like Chelsea or Juve. But I reiterate, I think Mourinho will be reluctant to let him go. Yeah, I, I do think that this is a weird situation. I also think it doesn't help that, you know, they play with the one up front and you've got Rashford, Martial and Lukaku, all who want to play in that central role. But then you've also got Jesse Lingard, who's been used in that number 10 role when he started as a wide man. So Mourinho's maybe even kind of questioning whether or not Martial and Rashford can can fill the, the role, particularly last night when he when he went on a bit of a rant, like, why always Lukaku? Why are you always Lukaku? Uh, you know, to, to, to quote the famous man, but uh, clearly Martial was unhappy. He's got two years left on his contract. Don't think Manchester United are let him are going to let him eat into those two years. This summer, they're either going to sign him up to a new contract and and tell him that he's going to be playing more, or he's going to go. So, so I don't think Manchester United will let him eat into those two years that he has left. They're either going to get him to sign an extension. Uh, or, or renew a, an improved contract this this summer, or they're going to let him go for. What would probably be a ridiculous fee, <laughs> as you mentioned, they, they signed him for quite a lot, and I know some of those bonuses were like if he gets the into the like World Eleven and if he gets into the Ballon d'Or podium, which probably isn't going to happen at least for the next few years, uh, unless it, it, the way he's going at the moment. So uh, maybe United haven't actually shelled off that much uh, for him. They're definitely not the full fifty million. So, uh, but I do think he'd probably be going for around about that fee, maybe a bit more. Um, who knows uh, how much for. Uh, kind of sell-on clause um, Monaco have as well. But I want to move us on before we, we, we stay on. And sorry, Alex, that we're, we're moving on from um, from Martial so swiftly. Uh, and this is a question from Mr. 
FLPS flips or some sort of football league or fancy Premier League thing. I don't know, but uh, thanks for for lining. You've lined up loads of questions here, actually. And the, the first of which is, given the United media pool theory and not really a theory it's just because Manchester United the United word gives a media buzz or players in the media an extra 20 points on top of that or it's like a multiplier of some sort I know uh, SG will be able to to give us the, the lowdown on, on the media buzz stuff but also Manchester United are just the biggest club in <laughs> in England and are and you know I'm sure Tom will attest that journalists write about them the most who are the key players on their radar and most likely to line up next season. So the reason, the way I want to go about this quest, uh, question is the positions that Real Madrid, uh, not Real Madrid, the positions that Manchester United are going to be looking at, and then we'll kind of rattle off some players that that could be looked at in those positions. So I think firstly at fullback, um, Bellerin has recently been linked, and then at left back, which is probably the more problem position, we've got Alexandro, Danny Rose, and Kieran Turney, as we've uh, you know mentioned earlier on in the pod so why don't you talk to us about the the fullback positions and Manchester United Tom sure so just to touch on Manchester United a bit first I'll then go into sort of a, a positional um analysis if you are I think you know an interesting question from Mr FL PS there and he describes it as you said the you know the the media pool theory I, I just want to reiterate what you said how you know naturally a uh, journalist or any anyone writing or certainly the the 20 or 25 publications from which football index draw their their media buzz uh you know scoring system i think you know we're living in a day and age where ad blocker is prominent and therefore when these these publications these journalists they do get people without ad blocker onto their site they they need to they basically need to get as many views as possible and naturally through from things like seo and just just you know getting people to click they are going to cover the biggest team so I think you, you don't want to underestimate that when you're looking at you know purchasing players for the long term who are not just good players with football index potential who could rise but if you can get these players who are you know top four top six then you, you, you're really going to benefit I think to touch on some players that United could be after next season it's, it's a really interesting one you know where do you improve this squad there certainly are areas for improvement um, I think to you know, Spurs fans aren't going to thank me, but I think two two players in the respective positions of left back and centre mid central midfield, that I, I I think would improve Manchester United would be Danny Rose at left back and Eric Dyer at central midfield. Just to touch on Rose, firstly, I think you know certainly if you're a United fan, it would be be well documented to you that Jose Mourinho and Luke Shaw are not the best of friends, and I think that probably lies more uh, with a fault on Mourinho's part. Um, I think that Luke Shaw arrived with the world at his feet. He was a, the most expensive defender, or maybe the most expensive teenager, def- teenage defender, etc. I think you know, you know, he arrived for big money. Everyone, had, he'd shown what he could do at Southampton. He suffered that awful leg break. I want to say against Eindhoven in the in Europe, and in all honesty, he's never really recovered from it. And instead of a bit of tough love, it just seems like Mourinho's just been been a bit of an ass, really. And I. I I, I, I can't see Luke Shaw staying at Manchester United. So I think naturally that opens up a spot. I mean, obviously we touched on Kieran Tierney earlier. Um, I, I, I could really see Danny Rose working in that team. And I think he, he came out and give that, gave that absolutely bonkers interview, I believe, to the... Yeah, yeah, but was it to the Sun? Yeah, it was. It was. I, I mean, I don't know who his advisors are and who who asked him to do that, <laughs> but it was absolutely mad. And I think I think you're right. Danny Rose would definitely be a good 
player for United, especially going forward. I think their fullbacks haven't been good enough. I think Danny Rose is one of the better attacking fullbacks in the league, uh, in the world, really. Uh, Alexandre obviously is very attacking. So uh, you can see the type of player that Manchester United are targeting at fullback. Hector Bellerin mentioned, uh, I I don't know about that one. Uh, I don't know how much money they'd have to pay Arsenal to prize him away. I don't really think he's better than Valencia really so uh, it'll be a strange one for, for, for that to happen uh, I, I, uh, I don't know the, the fullback one is strange because they've got quite a few crappy left backs at the moment I mean you know, they've got Ashley Young who's actually done a sterling job for United at left back but isn't a left back Luke Shaw you meant you touched on and obviously Darmian who looks to be on his way out and uh, so yeah so those are the fullbacks um, at centre back you mentioned Spurs players I think Alderweireld is most certainly leaving this summer and United and City and Chelsea will be right at the top of the queue for him and uh, Recently, Jerome Boateng has been linked from from Bayern Munich, which I found quite strange. But I think it's happened before. There's no reason that those links won't come back. Any other centre backs that you think that could be targeted? I've, I think I've mentioned uh, Milan Skriniar from from Inter Milan with uh, Matt Santangelo on a podcast beforehand. So maybe those three. Any others that you think that they could target? No, I, I like your mention. I'm not. I'm not. I promise, Spurs fans. I'm not trying <laughs> to suggest United go and buy all your players. But I think Alderweireld. I mean. We're seeing a similar situation to Kyle Walker under Pochettino at Spurs last year as we are this year with Alderweireld at Spurs, similarly under um, under Poch. She's obviously said, I'm not going to sign that contract. And instead of, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be fair to them, I think they knew this was happening for a while, hence Davinson Sanchez. We're talking Spurs here, went and spent £42 million on a player. Uh, you, you're only going to, you know, Daniel Levy's notoriously tight purse strings were certainly loosened. And I think... You know, I, th- I I think in order to do that, that was, you know, we, we've seen it time and time again with Spurs. Daniel Levy is a, is a shrewd operator and that Davinson Sanchez purchase was very much a, a, a replacement for Alderweireld. I think, as you've just said there, any of the top four would be lining up for him. He's, he's been quality and I think he's he's well within his rights to be demanding. You know, it's, it's quite well documented that Spurs is weekly, uh, weekly the highest weekly wage at Spurs is 100k. And that that is the, you know, I think naturally if you've got a player as good as Alderweireld, you, you're not going to keep him if you're giving him that. And I think it's really not helped. Uh, Kyle Walker and Manchester City have not done Spurs any favours this year because it's all well and good. Kyle Walker gets a 52 million at the time world record transfer to City. He's on a lot of money. Great. But he's now followed that up with winning a double. Um, and... Unfortunately, Spurs are trophyless. They <laughs> bottled it in the semis. They, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's tough to say they bottled it in Europe because I actually thought they were quality, and I, I, I don't think they bottled it. I think they just got they got beaten by a better team in Juventus over two legs. I think it was the lack of experience as well, and I think um, Pochettino really got he got shown up tactically. I think there uh, by Allegri with the with a with a the fullback change when he, when he went with uh, Asamoah and Lichtensteiner in the second half of the second leg, that completely changed the game. And Pochettino was kind of rattled by that. And I don't, I don't think he's come up against um, that kind of level of manager, apart from maybe Guardiola and Klopp in, in the league. Uh, and um, well, that level of uh, kind of tactical noose in the middle of a game. Because, um, I, I mean, what Allegri did in that game was was absolutely sensational. But I think, yeah, any other centre-backs that, that are on the top of your... I think Koulibaly has been mentioned and linked with a lot of other teams as well. I'm trying to think of other centre-backs. Oh, oh, I can't really think of any others apart from that. Yeah, no, I mean, no, that's no, fair. I mean, I, w- I would touch on... I'll just touch on Koulibaly briefly, I believe. 
Chelsea came knocking last year. And yeah, they did. I, I, I believe in. I believe Napoli's chairman said that he wasn't interested. Um, I think. I think Jose Mourinho likes what he's got at the back, but I, th- I think he just needs one more. And for me, that'll be Alderweireld. Um, but just to just to sort of my last uh, point on United and transfers, uh, I touched on him briefly. I think Eric Dyer. Um, is going to play a big part of the World Cup for England. I think he's. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's got, uh, you know, real versatility in terms of where he can play. Um, I mean, this is a player who can play centre back, and I believe can play right back too. Not not that he would be used in those positions by. I mean, it's a tricky one because obviously they've gone and bought Matic last year for forty odd million, and would you then follow that up the following summer transfer window by buying Eric Dyer? I think one thing I will say for certain is. Eric Dyer and Nemanja Matic are both starting quality. So whether he switches up the formation a little bit, and so, but I, I do, I do, I do think that Manchester United and Jose Mourinho will go out and buy two central midfielders this this year. You reckon? Uh, I, I do think so. I think Carrick leaving. I think yep. Pogba being slightly unsettled. I think Herrera's sometimes lack of quality, inconsistency. I think Marilyn Fellaini looks like he's off as well. So you're losing Carrick and Fellaini. Yeah. Do you, do, and I always ask this when people say, oh, do, do you actually think they'll sign too? And then I say, do you think Jose Mourinho will go into next season with Nemanja Matic, McTominay, Pogba, Herrera, and and who's the last I one? I think that's your lot. I think that's, that's it, your lot. It? In central midfield? Yeah, like, is he going to go in with those four for, for three positions, considering Fellaini's off and Carrick's gone? I I don't think so. I think he's going to look for two central midfielders. I think he's going to look for one in that Carrick mould, and I think he's going to look one for one in that kind of box-to-box Herrera mould. So I've, I've got written down here a few sentiments that have already been linked with him, and you, you touched on Eric Dyer. I think uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic is going to be coveted by every single bloody club in, th- in the world. Uh, Fred, Brazilian central midfielder, coveted... I think he was going to go to City in January um for for Fabinho some French reports came out last night that he's apparently agreed a deal with a team that isn't PSG which is interesting Tony Cruz which I think according to Miguel Delaney of the the independent is on top of United's list but is deemed like you know unsellable by Real Madrid so it doesn't look like that one's going to happen Arturo Vidal obviously last year of his contract 30 years age probably going to leave if uh is already been linked with United he's got the um the same agent as Alexis Sanchez, um, unsurprisingly, because they're both from Chile. Uh, Jorginho from from Napoli has been linked heavily with um, with City and Liverpool, but also Manchester United. Uh, Jean Sarri again linked with every single Premier League club uh, under the sun. So uh, I don't know any other central midfielders that that tickle your fancy. Uh, no, I, th- I think you've touched on a, a good amount there. Um, <laughs> I think. I think from 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 what you meant, I think to- Tony Cruz. Uh, if you know. I, I think that'd be a fantastic signing for United. I think I, I I almost feel it would be at the back of United's minds if they were to move for Vidal that the last time they 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 brought a player over from from those realms in the form of Schweinsteiger, it didn't end too well. Um, I think that will naturally be be a factor. Obviously, you know he was. I, I, I think it'd be fair to say Schweinsteiger was ostracised. Whether whether they would want to potentially risk that with Vidal, not not suggest that would happen. But I think it's, it's just one of these things where naturally if you buy a player from the same place and you, you go to repeat that process, you, you think over the things that happened when you when you, when you you made that transaction previously. No, I, th- I think I really, last year I wouldn't have seen it, but I, I've seen a new side to Eric Dyer this year and I, I just think he's a dead set. Um, 
I mean, just in terms of the uh, just in terms of the forwards, I think obviously it's quite well documented that that Gareth Bale is is potentially one for a homecoming. Obviously, not directly to United, but uh, but you know, to to, to the Prem. Um, I mean, look, we we hear it every summer. I think David Moyes came out actually not too long ago and said that in his I want to say his his first transfer window as United boss, uh, he had deals lined up for Cruz, Tony Cruz, Fabregas, and Bale. Maybe I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those were the those were the three. I do, I do have it like on good authority that last season it was it was pretty much all smoking that Gareth Bale definitely wanted to stay uh, at Real Madrid this season. I don't know if Zidane stays. I just can't see him staying. I can't see Bale staying. But at the same time, I can't see anyone's shelling out the money that Real Madrid would want for a 29-year-old who's, who's got that injury record. But we've seen crazier things happen. I mean, Alexis Sanchez is on five, 600 grand a week and he's 30. So, uh, I mean, there's certainly the money there in the Premier League. I'm trying to think of other forwards that Real Madrid could target. I think Malcolm has been ta- uh, like kind of linked with them quite a lot. Dries Mertens really recently as well. Again, kind of on the, the wrong side of uh, 29, 30. So it's... I don't know. I, I think that he'll probably go for someone like Bale, Mertens, who's who's already a, a finished product. But I do actually think in that forward area, they probably need more of a creator, like a an Urzel type, but slightly more dynamic. So you're looking at maybe uh, Paolo Dybala and uh, Naval Fakir. Um, go, go on, sorry, Tom. No, I was just saying, like the sound of Dybala. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it's great. No, that's all for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he'd be an absolutely brilliant addition to... Manchester United, they'd probably have to pay close to a to a record fee, especially for the Premier League. Um, they'd be shelling out more than a hundred million euros for sure. But but yeah, I think uh, you know you've got Thomas Lamar, who's also going to be heavily linked to to Premier League teams. Uh, so so there are those like wide forwards, those kind of central track midfielders, and those forwards that could go to um to round uh to manchester united sorry so uh who knows what can happen and it probably is dependent on whether or not martial stays as well but we'll move on from uh from this part of uh mr L- uh, flps's question the next one is a really interesting one and i really like this one loan players from this season who will return to their parent clubs to impact them positively in the Premier League next year. And I've got written down here two that have been loaned out by Chelsea, unsurprisingly, with their massive loan list, which is uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and, and Kennedy, which I mentioned previously. I think they'll come back to Chelsea. I think Loftus-Cheek will definitely come back and I think he'll probably have a big role to play. And I think Kennedy could have a big role to play, but he could also move to maybe a bigger Premier League club than Newcastle. And I've also got Jeff René Adelaide from, from Arsenal. He's done quite well at Angers. And uh, I think he was kind of top of the class at Arsenal before he had a big injury and then had to go out on loan. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he can come back and actually do something at Arsenal. Have you got any other players that are on the top of your mind there, Tom? Sure. So I, th- I think just to sort of reiterate what you were saying there about Loftus-Cheek, I think it's such a shame that his, his season was disrupted by injury, but almost his return to, to both fitness and form could arguably not have come at a better time with the uh, very unfortunate injury to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. So I think, you know, we are realistically talking about Loftus-Cheek going to the World Cup and not just going to the World Cup this time and not just being on the plane. But I think, you know, what we're seeing from him could potentially warrant a, a starting berth. I think he's that good. I think, you know, Ch- Chelsea are a club that have had systematic failings over the years with regards to their failure to promote youth and their failure to 
you know, back their manager, but then also integrate players effectively. I think, you know, we we just really have not seen any, I mean, obviously you've got Christensen at the moment. Yes, perhaps we're beginning to see a bit of a, a bit of a different Chelsea. I think, look, if Loftus-Cheek goes back to Chelsea and they agree to have him in the, the first team squad at Chelsea and he doesn't play, I, I think that's nothing short of a disgrace. I, 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 I'm not sure who's going to be in charge. I think, He's such a talent. Um, so, no, I, I, I fully agree with you on Loftus-Cheek. I think it's interesting. There are two Manchester United defenders, but before I sort of go into this, there is, uh, I am a, an Aston Villa fan. So, there is... Uh, yeah, it's poor me. Uh, so, there are there are two, actually, Manchester United um, players at the moment who have been on loan with us. Now, one of them is is Sam Johnston, uh, who's been in in between the sticks for us. And if if Villa do get promoted, we'll be going after him 100%. If we don't, we won't be able to afford him. But I, I honestly think this guy is going to have an, an extremely successful career. I think he's a, I think he's a top draw keeper. I think he's he's you know I think he kept uh, 15 clean sheets in 38 games for us. Um, I think you know he's he, he is quality, um, and I think. Whether he'll obviously he's not going to come back and displace De Gea. That's that's not going to happen. But do I potentially see a you know another another Premier League team taking a gamble on him? Yes. Um, but yeah, no. What about you? What you? So you touched on Kennedy there. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, Kennedy could could potentially come back and 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 do quite a good job for for Chelsea. Maybe in the wide positions as a squad player. I think Pedro uh, doesn't look like he's going to get any better from here I don't know if it's a confidence issue I don't think don't know if it's legs have gone then I think Willian hasn't been particularly happy uh Jeff Rene Adelaide I, I mentioned uh he, he could do quite well and uh, you know Axel Twanzebe as well uh United defender who's I think on loan at Palace but he actually he's actually at Villa oh, he's, actually oh, he's at, at Villa. Villa yeah sorry um it's a uh, it's uh uh Fosu Mensura um Indeed my mistake Indeed but uh, I think Twanzebe started at the Emirates once um, at right back and actually marshalled um, he marshalled Alexis Sanchez so well and this was when uh, United were gunning for the, the Europa League and uh, he just he was excellent and I, I just kind of thought at the end of that game like this this guy's going to be a player um, we mentioned Patrick Roberts earlier in the, in the show and I think um, yeah he could maybe not make it a City but definitely won the, a lot of Premier League and, and Big championship clubs will have their eye on uh, for sure. Um, but, uh, One player I'd just like to touch on, if possible, uh, so Tammy Abraham, um, who's obviously been on loan at Swansea City this year. I think he's shown shown glimpses of why he is, well, why he has the hype uh, that he does. Um, I think obviously we'll have to see what happens with Swansea, but I think Abraham has shown that he is he's at. Premier League standard. He, he he was scoring goals for fun in the Championship this, last year, I believe, with Bristol City. Um, and obviously, it hasn't quite been uh, been the same level of, of goal output. But I think that's to be expected. Of, well, I believe he's he's nineteen and it's his first season in the Premier League. Um, I think you know that, that that that's a big ask. That's a big ask. So I think. I don't see Tammy Abraham coming back and, you know, the, the day in which Roman Abramovich settles for a youth prospect as his starting striker will be quite the day. Uh, but I think we could see Abraham's loan spell at Swansea end and potentially, you know, move elsewhere in the in, in the Premier League. Yeah, for sure. I think that there is going to be some sort of movement between, I don't know, Palace 
uh, if when they they're going to stay up. I mean, they're probably they not probably they might lose Wilfred Zaha and they're going to lose Ruben Loftus Cheek. Probably, unfortunately for them, they're two best players. Uh, and uh, you know, Chelsea might look at that and say, you know, Tammy Abraham is available and. Hudson Odoi are available on loan. I think something like that could happen, or maybe maybe Kennedy uh, to Crystal Palace on loan. So who knows what could happen on on that end of things? Um, certainly, a few of those players are quite excited to see uh, the likes of I don't know. We saw Leon Bailey have breakthrough seasons at, at Leverkusen. We saw this season Mo Salah have an incredible season for Liverpool, and those players have reflected on the index amazingly with their rises. So it's going to be really interesting to see who those are next season whether they come back from loan or if they're just like transferred in and that leads directly next to the next question the third of fourth the third of four from mr flps and this is who do you think the the breakthrough players for next season are going to be and i've written down here a few kind of wild cards i think bernardo silva would have a will have a bigger impact at, at city next season i think Gigi Wijnaldum is someone who i think's actually done really well at liverpool uh the last few weeks and particularly coming in for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain um, after his unfortunate injury. I definitely think he was one of the better players against Roma in the second leg. I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles at Arsenal showed his quality in central midfield against United at Old Trafford and I think that next season whoever comes in should look at him and say, you know, I want this guy to play 20 to 30 Premier League games next season in central midfield and not at left back or left wing back or right back. Uh, I think he could he could definitely make it at Arsenal. Have you got any on the top of your mind? Sure. So I think it's, it's, it's difficult to kind of, I think certainly from a football index perspective, you have to decide what sort of margins or margins of profit are you, are you hoping to make on these, on these players? So I think... There's also a number of factors in, you know, is a, is a player moving to another club going to open up an opportunity for a player already at the club to to progress and cement themselves? I think a player who he was in the England setup uh, not too long ago, unfortunately no longer is, um, is Andros Townsend. Now, as we touched on just there, I believe you just touched on, you know, Wilfred Zaha. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if he's a Palace player at the end of the window. Um, I could see Spurs moving for him. I could see... I mean, personally, I think he's going to go to Spurs. But I think, you know, you look at someone like Zaha, who is obviously that sort of forward player, I think, could we see Andros Townsend, who has been playing this year, been playing a lot and consistently, but could we see a player like that step up to the step up to the plate and fill Zaha's shoes um, in terms of his output? I think, you know, other other players that, you know, we could potentially be looking at for... now. I'm going to describe this as a re-breakthrough because they've already broken through, but they've actually made such backwards progress this year in terms of their output that I, I'm actually going to say, well, I don't know whether that's harsh, it's comparative, but I think Josh King, when he when he, when he he came onto the scene in 2016-17 with Bournemouth, uh, scored 16 Premier League goals and people were talking about a move to Liverpool for him. That was, that was the paper talk. Now, this year, I think he's found it incredible increasingly difficult I think it was uh two goals in his his first sort of you know 25 games or something like that just just just, sorry to cut you off it hasn't helped that he's he's um he's playing out wide this season is it yeah no no completely I think that's a that's that's certainly a factor in his I think it's 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 harsh to call it a demise but I think it has it has been a you know a, a decrease in goal goal output um so I think you know Josh King's a great player. I think he's got seven in the league so far this year. You know, I don't know what his price is on the index, but you know, you know, 
he 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 could be someone that could be doing all right. Yeah, no, I think uh, Josh King is is a player that kept on surprising us last season, and and it's hard to think that. Uh, Bournemouth felt that they needed to go for Jermaine Defoe. I thought that was a really strange signing for them, especially on the on the wage packet that he was he was given. I think when you have they had Benicophobia and Josh King both firing on on all cylinders really, and then they they went for Jermaine Defoe, which I found a really strange signing when they probably needed some defenders and they needed they probably needed some more midfielders. Uh, there's another couple Bournemouth players who maybe could fulfil their potential and break through next season. I think Jordan Ibe has really flattered the deceiver at, at, at um, Bournemouth, and I think. Um, I think Lewis Cook as well could could have that breakthrough season, especially if he goes uh, with England this summer, even if it's just for the experience. I think that could help him mature. I do think Nathan Ake is another player who um, who looked really good uh, at the beginning of the season and the, and uh, at parts last season as well. So maybe a few Bournemouth players to take a look at there to make their breakthrough seasons. I think from a from a Liverpool standpoint, uh, this might not be like a a breakthrough as to say but I think Naby Keita is going to be absolutely sensational next season for Liverpool I I don't think there's any doubt about uh, him kind of um, failing to adapt to the Premier League I think uh, Abel Masarosh very uh, kind of uh, decisively said on my podcast he said I'm not a betting man but if I had a you know, I'd be incredibly, incredibly surprised if this guy doesn't make it. And he, he really spoke glowingly about him. Um, I think he will just be absolutely fantastic for Liverpool. I, I do think, um, I, I, I don't know if Laurie, if Carrius stays as uh, Liverpool's first choice keeper, I think we could see him do, do better next season as well. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. Um, that'd be interesting to see what happens with, with their keeping situation. Um, I think Klopp's just really got to make his mind up. Um, he's he's been quite indecisive. I mean, he he's seemingly he has come out and openly stated that that Carius is or Carius rather is is his first choice. Um, I mean, I, I'll be very interested to see what happens there. I think Simon Mignolet is is not of the standard required for a Liverpool keeper. So, I mean, that that's that's a bit of a bit of a dig on him. But I think I think yeah, no, no, no. We're, be very interesting to see what happens with Liverpool's keeper situation. I think another player, sorry to sort of segue away from Liverpool keepers, but I think another player I, I think could be in for, or, or two rather, that I think could be in for huge seasons, uh, the first of which is Chris Wood at Burnley. Um, now, he's been, he's, 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 he's done well this year. He's been clinical. Um, I think when he's played, he's come up with goals. He's, you know, he's been out of the team a little bit. Uh, he had a fantastic scoring record at Leeds United. Um and he has successfully transferred that into his exploits with Burnley. I think also you've got to factor in there's a quite high chance that, that, that Sean Dyche's side could be playing Europa League football next year. It certainly looks that way at the moment. Um, might even be statistically guaranteed. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure someone will someone someone will tweet that out. But um, I think you know Chris Wood at Burnley. I, I really like the look of. Um, I think. That you know, especially with talk of the index expanding into to other territories, you have to start factoring in these players who are you know it's quite rare that we will see a club like Burnley in the Europa League. If you know, I, I don't mean that in any form of disrespect to Burnley. I think when you've got clubs like that who have let's not let's not beat around the bush have had a great season. Burnley have had a superb season. Some people are touting them, including myself, for the drop at the start of the year. They've done superbly well. 
they look like they're going to be getting Europa League football. So I think someone like Chris Wood, who is going to get that bit more exposure playing Europa League, could do really well. And then just a last one from me in terms of uh, players uh, making a breakthrough. I think Decore has actually had a superb season at Watford, and I think there's been big talks of big talk of him being linked with uh, I think Arsenal and Spurs. I've seen in the papers. Um, I think what's great about Decore is he has that sort of Patrick Vieira esque kind of you know persona, or, or rather sort of just how he how he plays. He's a he's a dominant central midfielder, uh, but I think also he, he does score goals, um, and I think he's shown that earlier in the season. Um, I think Watford, you know difficult Watford often have a central midfielder certainly in the last two seasons who've had cracking goal scoring starts and tailed off a bit I think Capu in in 2016 and Decore in 2017 um but I, I actually could see one of the big boys moving for Decore uh, and if not I think he'll continue to excel at Watford yeah, I think he's had a sensational season and there's definitely going to be those links there this summer. I think three more guys that I wanted to mention from uh, Watford. I think uh, Pereira is, is quite talented, but he's been uh, riddled with injury. I think uh, Chalaber as well, uh, unfortunate injury for him. I think Watford bought him for like eight million, which was an absolute coup for them. And I think Will Hughes, uh, he got injured as well. I think a hamstring injury at some point that kind of... Uh, rattled this season I think going back to Burnley I think Goodmanson's been really good for this, them this season uh, we, we haven't talked about Everton but I think Tom Davis and Yannick Balassi could have big seasons for them next season I think um, they'll probably invest heavily as well so it depends on what who comes in who goes out and I think uh, worth mentioning um, Benjamin Mendy at Man City as well I think uh, really unfortunate injury seems like a great guy but I think he's uh, he just relentlessly crosses the ball and I'm not sure that's what Guardiola wants but he he just doesn't stop when he gets down that byline. He's so quick and powerful. When he does get down that byline, it's quite hard to stop him. And, and then he does usually put in a very good ball into the box. And I want to finish on uh, a Spurs player, even though, as an Arsenal fan. I think Harry Winks is uh, well, for a long time. I thought he was going to be just another Ryan Mason. I don't actually rate him that highly, but I think if, as we mentioned before, Eric Dyer does leave, then they've got that ready-made replacement right there. And uh, I think Moussa Dembele looks like he might be leaving as well, whether it be to to China or whatever. Um, Harry Winks might have a big opportunity there. Um, but, but before we, we go on forever and naming every bloody player uh there's a last part of this of, of this four-part question which is uh can madison and ryan sessignon make an delhi alley style impact next year whether they stay at their clubs or move to a bigger one uh i, I want to start by saying i think watching madison against arsenal in the, in the cup i think he was physically like immense superb very quick very powerful we could physically cope very easily in the premier league he actually dominated arsenal's midfield that 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 night i think he just outplayed wilshire very comfortably uh Sessignon, he, he looks like a superstar i think positionally um he needs to kind of find where he's he's going to be best i think it's uh, a lot of people liken him to gareth bale but only because he starts at left back but it's true like he, he needs to find his position and then kind of play there for a while and then develop in that position because there's no point being kind of a jack of all trades and master of none, so to speak. So he's played left back, left midfield, left wing, uh, kind of as a forward or, you know, behind the striker, attacking midfield or whatever. He's kind of played everywhere, hasn't he? So kind of needs to find his position, stay there and be coached for that position, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think, you, you know, you touched on on Sessignon there. I, th- I think I think too, right? He looks uh, looks an absolutely unbelievable player. Um, I <laughs> I, th- I, th- I I had to sort of double check what I was reading when I saw that he'd been shortlisted for 
PFA Young Player of the Year, and you know I was I was fairly certain that that was a a, a Premier League exclusive accolade, um, but but certainly not. So no, I think Sessegnon looks outstanding, um, and I think look, this is coming from a Villa fan who is we're in the playoffs. Uh, I actually think Fulham deserve to go up, and I think Fulham I could. I don't want to jinx it. Maybe we won't even make it past the. Maybe we won't even make it to Wembley for the playoff final. But I think I really see Fulham going up via the playoffs. I think I can see Cardiff beating Reading at the weekend. Um, so I think look, I've seen Sessegnon has, has has risen in you know considerably uh, on the platform. But I think I think you know you, you know a quality player when you see one, and he's he scored a huge number of goals from left back or you know yes it's sort of left wing back yes he's sort of you know marauding down the pitch but um and I think also just to touch on Madison there uh strongly heavily linked with with Liverpool um I think that's been been quite well documented and I think I think both of them both of them could be set for huge seasons I do I see Madison you know playing playing in the championship for too much longer I, I personally can't see that and I think you know for Fulham, getting into the Premier League means a lot more than 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 just having that Premier League status. And I, I think, you know, if they can keep Sessegnon for, you know, we're, we're we're you know we're in a market whereby if Sessegnon has, you know, let's say Fulham go up and has a good season in the Premier League and scores, I don't know, ten goals and a few assists and plays thirty eight games, you you could be looking at a fifty million pound player. That is that is the uh, that you know it sounds crazy to say that you know, but. That is the market we're in. So no, I, I think I, I rate them both very highly as prospects, and I think they could make a make a big impact next year. Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, you're right. If he does go up and has a storming season, then who knows what his price m- may be. But I think that's all uh, we've got time for today, Tom. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day and uh, uh, <laughs> send our listeners to sleep. And thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, where can people find out more about you? Sure. So no, again, just to reiterate that, thank you so much for having me. I've re- really, really enjoyed this. Uh, so yeah, uh, as mentioned, I'm the founder and editor at 90 Minutes at a Time. You can find us on Twitter at 90MAT underscore. We're a Premier League journalism site with over 50 contributors specialising in analysis, features, previews, reports, uh, FPL. And just to sort of touch on this briefly, uh, we have recently launched a Football Index Insights section on the site. Uh, we'll be uh, hopefully gaining some some contributors from the, the Football Index community. Uh, we're going to be giving insights on specific uh, players or sort of a, a broader, uh, sort of overarching uh, outline as to, as to how, how you can make money on Football Index and sort of how to, to, to build your portfolio. Uh, we're currently in the midst of a website upgrade that will be sorted very soon and you'll be seeing our first Football Index article. But yeah, you can check it out on Twitter at 90MAT underscore. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, what me and Tom might do is uh, when this podcast goes out, I believe next week, uh, we'll kind of use the episode description and turn that into a bit of an article that we can put on 90MAT and you guys can go check it out there and hopefully some of his readers will will check out Football Index and it will you know, widen the football index audience but uh yeah thanks so much for coming on tom and uh thank you everyone for listening hope you enjoy your commute and if you did enjoy this please do leave a review i really love reading them and they help me persist with this content and they really help rank the podcast and do tell your friends as well about football index i think 
no one really reiterates that but yeah tell, tell everyone about it tell your family tell your friends whoever's interested in football or they like investing if they like betting whatever they like uh, in that kind of area please do uh, tell them about football index and tell them about the podcast and uh yeah please subscribe uh head over to the youtube channel if if you want to kind of own your trading skills a bit more but yeah thanks everyone for listening and i didn't uh mess up that outro for once